0: Christians are commanded to rejoice with those who rejoice and to weep with those who weep. Major League fans have many reasons to rejoice. There's also much in the industry to weep over. Welcome to In the Bullpen with Mark Dewey, sponsored by Developing Contenders Ministries. You're listening to the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. Thank you for joining us. And look who's coming up. High fly ball into right field. She is gone! Whether or not you have seen the movie, I'm guessing you're very familiar with at least one line from the movie. And that line is this, there's no crying in baseball. Well, it's a great line, but we realize it is not a true statement. We realize that especially in the last week, because while there has been a lot of rejoicing in baseball, there have been a number of tears shed as well. And I will suggest that weeping, true biblical weeping, is also appropriate for some of the things that we have seen unfolding in Major League Baseball. But first, let's get to some rejoicing. So my on-site reporter, who I'm paying big bucks to work for me down in Arizona, Terry Fries, sent this text to me last Thursday. And last Thursday was opening day of Major League Baseball spring training games. He texted me this. First spring training game, White Sox versus Cubbies. People are pumped. Vendors, ticket takers, parking lot folks, grounds people, all walking tall. And I would guess that it is not just at the Cubs complex, but at all of the complexes in Arizona and Florida, in which that is a statement that is going to ring true. Beyond that, there's something else that happened last week that I think is a great reason to rejoice. And it goes well beyond spring training. It goes well beyond Major League Baseball. And it goes well beyond the United States and Canada or even Venezuela and the Dominican Republic. And that is this that it is now official, the World Baseball Classic will be returning next year, in 2023. It will be the first time that the Classic has been played since 2017, which was the first time the United States won the championship of the Classic. That, too, is news that baseball fans worldwide are rejoicing over. Then there are some players that are doing uh, some dancing and rejoicing. Chris Bryant signed with the Colorado Rockies, seven years, $182 million. Carlos Correa signed with the Minnesota Twins, three years, $105.3 million. And he has the ability to opt out after each of the first two years of the contract. Nick Castellanos signed with the Phillies, five years, $100 million. And most recently, as it regards top-name free agents and top-dollar contracts, Trevor Story has signed with the Boston Red Sox, Six years, $140 million. There are some teams rejoicing and organizations and fans as well. I think the Twins would be one because not only with Correa, but other moves they have made, I think would have Twins fans excited. Mets and Dodgers fans are excited because their teams are going for it. Their teams, their owners in particular, are doing what they believe is necessary to win. To win a division, to win a pennant, to win a World Series. And even though we may not be Mets and Dodgers fans, we should be rejoicing as well because that's how teams, that's how organizations ought to go about things. Let's do what is best for our team to win a World Series. And if we go over the competitive balance threshold, we'll pay the stinking tax, but we want to win. Now, there was a lot of both rejoicing and weeping among staff, players, and fans of the Atlanta Braves. The weeping, the biggest weeping, and literally crying was taking place. There were people shedding tears because Freddie Freeman is no longer an Atlanta Brave. The face of the franchise, one of the most popular players in the history of the Atlanta Braves, is no longer an Atlanta Brave. He has signed with the Los Angeles Dodgers. Six years, $162 million. He is, to a large degree, rejoicing. Great contract. Great team. He's going to play essentially in the backyard of where he grew up. But he was shedding tears, as were Braves staff, personnel, fans, and the like, because he's no longer going to be with the only organization he's ever known. And he found out that he was no longer going to be with them definitively the same time we all did, which is he found out when the trade of Matt Olson from the A's to the Braves was announced. And then, of course, Olson, who's a very good player, signed a very lengthy and lucrative contract. And so for Braves fans, it's like, okay, we have a great team. We've got a chance to repeat as World Series champions, but we just lost not only the face of the franchise, but one of our favorite players. So both rejoicing and weeping in Atlanta and through all that are connected in any way to the Braves. Last week, I expressed some concerns about the new CBA. And at that time, it was only, what, four days old. And I said that there were some things that that I was seeing that, that caused me some concern. And, and at the end of my podcast, I talked about there are a lot of reasons to rejoice as fans of Major League Baseball, but there's some concern we ought to have, maybe even to the point of weeping over it. And one of the issues I brought up last week was tanking. I said that I did not believe that there was anything in the new CBA that was really going to limit, let alone eliminate, tanking in Major League Baseball. I believe that is a very bad thing. Tanking is a very bad thing. Well, in the week since the last episode of In the Bullpen, we have seen the Oakland A's and the Cincinnati Reds completely dismantle their teams as it regards their best pitchers and players. Other people, and I would agree with them, have said, listen, the A's have demonstrated over the course of 30 years that they don't tank, that they rebuild, And they've done a very good job of rebuilding. And I agree with that. And because of that, I would say we have to give Billy Bean and the Oakland A's the benefit of the doubt and say this isn't tanking. This is rebuilding. But to me, it looks like tanking. Then we turn to Cincinnati and the Reds. No debate about what's going on there. They're tanking. And Reds fans are not happy. They're not rejoicing. As a matter of fact, I got a text from one Reds fan. who lives in Ohio, and he said just that. He said, Reds fans are furious over what's going on. And then he took it up a notch because he said, I'm trying to explain to my 10-year-old son why his favorite team is getting rid of, rid of his favorite players and the best players on the team. That's quite a challenge to try to explain to a 10-year-old what in the world is going on as it regards what the Reds are doing right now. Also in last week's episode, I mentioned Trevor Bauer. I'm going to get to him in a moment, but I have to get to something that I sincerely hoped I would not have to get to again. I don't want to speak on this subject. I have to speak on this subject because it is potentially, at least, going to have a huge impact on the competitive integrity of Major League Baseball and the implications and ramifications, I think, are applicable well beyond Major League Baseball. And that, again, sadly, and you probably have already guessed, is the vaccine madness. We have already discussed the fact that minor league players are not required to be vaccinated in order to play this season, 2022, in minor league baseball. But minor league, minor league coaches are required. Same thing, Major League players are not required to, but Major League coaches are. So then if you are a manager, a pitching coach, a trainer, a strength and conditioning coach, anybody that works daily with the players, you have two choices. Get the vaccination or lose your job. Wicked stuff. We also learned that the media will be allowed back into clubhouses for the first time since 2019. That is all media that's been vaccinated. If you haven't, you'll be standing outside the clubhouse. We learned last week as well that the Canadian government said they will not allow players into Canada, hence to come to Toronto to play the the Blue Jays, if they haven't been vaccinated. That is going to play a factor. If this holds true, and I've been told that there are a plural number, I don't know how many, but a plural number of players with both the Yankees and the Red Sox that haven't been vaccinated. And that at least one is somebody of significant talent and importance. They all are if they're on the 26-man the roster, but then there are the, the upper-level players, the all-stars, the, the future Hall of Famer kind of kind of players. Apparently, at least one on these teams has not been vaccinated. So now when they go to Toronto, they're going to be playing at less than full capacity. And imagine the Yankees or the Red Sox traveling to Toronto the second half of September With a division on the line, and I think right now the Blue Jays might be the favorite to win the American League East, but with a division title on the line or a wild card spot on the line, and you can't bring your best players. You can't bring your full squad. That is going to have a huge impact. Since last week, we learned that New York City, a la Kyrie Irving in the NBA, has said that unvaccinated players cannot play Home baseball games in New York. So now we're dealing with the Yankees and the Mets. And like the Yankees and Red Sox, it's my understanding that there's a plural number of Mets players who have not been vaccinated. And that means if things do not change, unvaccinated players will miss 81 home games for the Yankees and the Mets. And then for the Yankees, I don't know if the Mets play the Blue Jays this year, but for the Yankees at least, some number of games in Toronto. This is maddening. This is outrageous. This is anything but following data and analytics. I was listening to Buster only last week in his Baseball Tonight podcast, and he said that he believed the situation would be taken care of before the home openers for the Mets and the Yankees. And I had enough time to think to myself, good, this nonsense, the people in New York are going to say, this is nonsense and we're going to do away with it. But then Buster only went on to say that the reason he thought it would be taken care of is not because the nonsense would be done away, but because those few players that have not been vaccinated would receive the vaccination. I have a serious problem with that. It's not known with certainty who hasn't been vaccinated, but one of the players that is reportedly not vaccinated is Aaron Judge with the Yankees. Obviously, a superstar player, a very important player for the New York Yankees. And and I believe he probably hasn't been because he was asked a question by a reporter last week, and the answer he gave, the way I read it, would be, yeah, he hasn't been vaccinated. So we'll use him as an example. And if it's incorrect that it's not Aaron Judge, it's somebody else of a pretty high caliber that fits the description. But I do think Aaron Judge is is one of those players that hasn't been vaccinated. So now you're the New York Yankees and you lose Aaron Judge for somewhere between 81 and 90 games that he can't play if things don't change and if he doesn't receive the vaccination. That puts you at a huge competitive disadvantage. And what I would like to see is this. Well, first of all, I would like to see the nonsense regulations, mandates, and all this other stuff just go away forever. But short of that, here's what I would like to see. I would like to see the vaccinated players, at least one, preferably multiple, on the Yankees, on the Mets, on the Red Sox, but we'll stick to New York City right now, and and have the vaccinated players say, you're not going to let my teammate or my teammates play? Then I'm not going to. If he can't play in New York, I'm not pitching or I'm not playing. If he can't play in Toronto, if he can't go to Canada, I'm going to stay back with him and throwing bat in practice if I'm a pitcher. Or, you know, work on things together as position players. That's what I would love to see. In particular, here's what I would love to see. I believe the two highest paid pitchers in Major League Baseball, at least based on annual average salary, are Garrett Cole with the Yankees and Max Scherzer with the Mets. Both of those men are a part of the eight-man executive subcommittee for the Major League Baseball Players Association. I would love Garrett Cole with the Yankees and Max Scherzer with the Mets to say, enough of this nonsense. You don't let him or them play? I'm not. Deal with it. Now, you you may be thinking, come on now. That's never going to happen. Well, I don't know if it's ever going to happen, but I do know it has happened. I was a witness to this decades ago when an owner was going to do something that had to do with on-field moves and a prominent superstar player sat in the owner's office and said to him, listen, you're the owner. This is your franchise. This is your organization. You have every right to run it the way that you see fit. But I want you to know that if you do this, I am not going to take the field. So I don't know if it's going to be done, But it has been done. Somebody had the conviction about something in which he told the owner very clearly, if you follow through, I'm not taking the field. That's what I would love to see happen in this situation. I really would. That would be a reason to rejoice. If it doesn't happen, it's a reason to weep. And we've got to go further than that. These players are being pressured to get the vaccination with some overwhelmingly strong pressure. Think about Aaron Judge again. He's going to be a free agent at the end of the season if he accumulates the service time necessary. But if he doesn't play 81 games in New York and six to nine games in Toronto, he will not accumulate the service time and he will not be a free agent. So he's got the pressure of letting his teammates down. He's got the pressure of not being a free agent and possibly losing multi-millions of dollars. And they're pressuring him to do this. But the one thing you can be sure of, I don't know how many people are Christians and how many people aren't Christians that haven't received the vaccination. I don't know a single reason by any of these players as to why they haven't. But I know this, if in March of 2022, they haven't been vaccinated, they have some pretty strong convictions. And now they're being pressured to go against those convictions. As Luther said, to go against conscience is neither right nor safe. And yet, that's what these people are being pressured into doing. And as you know, this is in no way limited to Major League Baseball. But let's let's go way beyond Luther, way above Luther. In Romans 14.23, we are told, Whatever is not from faith is sin. And that is at the end of a chapter in which Paul is discussing adiaphora, things neither commanded nor forbidden by God. And he's talking to both the stronger brethren and how they ought to behave in such a situation, as well as the weaker brethren. And it is at the end of that conversation that he says, whatever is not from faith is sin. And so, if there are, and I'm assuming there are, Christians who have not been vaccinated in Major League Baseball and they're being pressured to do this, not only is the pressure sinful and evil, but the people putting that pressure on these players are encouraging them to engage in sinful behavior. Because if they cannot receive the vaccination in faith, if they cannot doing, do so knowing that they're glorifying God, to do so would be sinful. Again, wicked, heinous stuff. And again, not limited in any capacity to Major League Baseball, whether we're talking about Major League teams or Minor League teams. Not limited at all. Some of you hearing my voice may have been put in the same situation, though you have nothing to do with Major League Baseball. My closing words last week in the episode were these. As a baseball fan, I believe there is plenty to be excited about and many things yet to be seen, including Trevor Bauer. And if you were listening, you might have thought to, my, you might have thought to yourself, well, wait a second, where did that come from? He hasn't spoken about Trevor Bauer in the entirety of this episode, and it's been a long time since he's even brought up the name. Well, maybe not a long time, but at least a couple of weeks. Well, the reason I ended last week's episode with that is because Trevor Bauer's uh, administrative leave, which had extended after the CBA was agreed to and the lockout ended, had been extended through last Saturday, March 19th. And I thought, certainly, by then, there's going to be some resolution to this ongoing saga regarding Trevor Bauer. Well, I was wrong. They've extended that leave to Saturday, April the 16th. Now, just as a reminder, Major League Baseball has a joint domestic violence, sexual assault, and child abuse policy. Trevor Bauer was put on administrative leave last July 2nd, and it has been extended, I believe now, 10 times. And when this most recent one, which goes through Saturday, April 16th, ends, it will mean that he has missed 101 games. Now, Trevor Bauer has been on administrative leave, which means he gets paid. But he hasn't been able to play. And these extensions are agreed upon both by Major League Baseball and the Players Association. And they keep extending these administrative leaves because they're considering a suspension, maybe even a year-long suspension of Trevor Bauer. And that would mean he's no longer getting paid. Now, there are a number of issues here that, that from what I can tell, and I don't have inside information, and I can't say I've been following uh, to the minutest detail uh, all of the, uh, the happenings as it regards this, but here are some things I know. Trevor Bauer engaged in sexual immorality. And as Christians, we have to say it as it is. Everything outside of a man leaving his father and mother and cleaving to his wife and the two becoming one flesh is sexual immorality. So right there as Christians, we say, Trevor Bauer was in sin with his sexual immorality. And then, even if it was consensual, Trevor Bauer was engaged even worse sin in what he did in that sin of sexual immorality. We can't compromise on that at all. That said, as Christians we have to look at what's going on to Trevor Bauer and ask some important questions. So the district attorney of Los Angeles on February 7th said that he was not bringing criminal charges against Trevor Bauer. There wasn't enough evidence that this was something Trevor Bauer did without the consent of the woman. As far as I can tell in all that I've seen and read, this is a classic he said, she said situation. Trevor Bauer says, consensual. The woman says, no, it wasn't. From what I can tell, there are no other witnesses. Now, this extension most recently may be because there's a court date set for April 4th, and maybe baseball wants to wait and see what comes out there. But again, that being said, though as Christians we cannot in any way condone what he did, we must very clearly say it was a sin a sin that needs to be repented of, a sin that needs to be forgiven. He needs to turn from his sin and turn unto the Lord Jesus Christ. All of those things we should do. But as Christians, we should also say this. If this is indeed a he-said-she-said situation, then Trevor Bauer ought to be playing baseball. He has watched the same propaganda stuff that I had to watch, which is told again again and again and again and again and again and again. Every year, in multiple ways, consent is everything. And unless Major League Baseball thinks they have some evidence to prove it wasn't consensual, which I find interesting if the district attorney of of Los Angeles didn't, they have nothing besides hypocrisy, no leg to stand on, to in any way criticize what happened. We're told in Leviticus 19, you are to judge your neighbor fairly. And in Deuteronomy 19, we're told that a single witness shall not rise up against a man on account of any iniquity, Or any sin which he has committed on the evidence of two or three witnesses, a matter shall be confirmed. We as Christians have to completely condemn his sexual immorality and all that came with it. But we as Christians have to defend justice for Trevor Bauer. I know he's a very polarizing figure and therefore many people hate him. I get that. That's not the point. Justice isn't based upon whether somebody's likable or not, or whether I like him or not. Where are the two or three witnesses? And if there are not two or three witnesses, this man shall not be condemned. He shouldn't be on administrative leave. He definitely shouldn't be suspended. When you are a polarizing figure like Trevor Bauer, other things happen that may not happen to people that aren't so polarizing. Last week, there was an interview. Rich Eisen interviewed Dave Roberts, the manager of the Dodgers. And then after the interview, he tweeted out this. Hashtag Dodgers manager Dave Roberts just told us he plans to not, and not is in all caps, he plans to not have Trevor Bauer for the foreseeable future, if ever again. That's how Rich Eisen, who conducted the interview, summed it up on Twitter here's what was actually said. Well, I noticed one name that didn't get mentioned by you right there is Trevor Bauer. What can you tell me about him? Yeah, if- I, I, I I, really can't. And it's not of just trying to – I just don't have the information. So I think uh, – I guess that the line is I'm just going to kind of focus on uh, the guys that are in camp. And until I know more um, and until he's with us, I just can't comment because I just don't know – Uh, enough information, but I'm sure as time goes on, you know, we'll know more. Okay. So right now you're planning to start 2022 uh, and go for however, how long without Trevor Bauer right now? Absolutely. Yep. Yes, sir. So if you were listening, you realize that what was tweeted had no basis in reality at all. Now, Rich Eisen did retract the tweet and he did apologize, but here's the situation. Either the tweet was intentional or it was accidental. It was either done with bad motives or it was the result of very poor professionalism. Now, granted, one is worse than the other, but both are very, very bad. Trevor Bauer took to Twitter and wrote this, the media should stop trying for engagement and clicks. I'm sorry, let me start that again. The media should stop lying for engagement and clicks, and start reporting things accurately. This is despicable behavior, and unfortunately, extremely common practice nowadays. Time for some accountability. And then he wrote, Ask yourself the question, If the media feels this comfortable lying, when the facts are so readily available, what else are they lying about? Short answer, basically Everything. Now, I believe that Bauer fundamentally is referring to his situation, but I also believe he's not limiting it to his situation. And I know this the comments that he made are applicable far more broadly than just the sports media, far more broadly than just his story. It's true about major media across the board, almost without exception, on a variety of subjects. And if they don't like how you speak, or how you live, they will either lie or do very shoddy journalism, sloppy journalism, to come and get you. And we don't have just two or three witnesses to substantiate this is what is going on in the media, these daily lies and propaganda. We have a multitude of witnesses. But that's a conversation for another day. Join us next time for In the Bullpen on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network.